Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Plater platter. I don't understand the question, and I won't respond. I am a geek. You, sir... Our nerd. How dare you, madam? I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. We got to talk with Julia Keller last week when she was in Chicago for LitFest. Julia is awesome. She's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and former pop culture critic with the Chicago Tribune. Julia is also obsessed with Superman. And since we're all talking about the new Man of Steel movie out in theaters this weekend, we thought we'd give you a bit of superhero nerding out from our chat with Julia Keller. Stick around for that, and we've got some homework for you overachievers out there, plus a dramatic reading of Hillary Clinton's Twitter bio. But first, we've invited Trisha's pop culture spirit guide, Rebecca Polson, to talk me down. We had to call in the cavalry. Yeah, we had to talk Trisha down because she might be about to abandon Game of Thrones. Just a warning, this conversation is super spoilery. For Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, and The Walking Dead. Is there a statute of limitations on spoilers? I'm kind of worried because I really don't like ruining things for people. Dumbledore dies. What? And he's gay. I am going to put forth the argument that if it's for the story, I'm always okay with the character dying. For a number of reasons. One, I mean, if the story is going to progress better without the character, then I absolutely want that to happen. But I think there's this other element of the fact that, you know, in real life, people die. Death is a very real aspect of life. And I think if you want a truly poignant, affecting story, often that has to involve death. I hear you. But I worked really hard to catch up on Game of Thrones. And I watched a lot of Rob Stark doing things, riding horses, falling in love with sexy nurses. And I don't know why I had to go through all that if he was just going to die. So I am all for characters dying when it serves the story. But I'm not all for characters existing and then dying and not actually having an impact on the story. Game of Thrones without Rob Stark. If he just never existed, what would be different? Ari's still heartbroken about her father and wants to avenge him. Sansa's still doing whatever Sansa's doing. Winterfell falls to the Ironborns or whoever because it falls. Okay? Jon Snow is off somewhere being a sad bastard. (laughs) All of these things are still the same. But were it not for the whole Rob's War plotline, we wouldn't have Roose Bolton in the picture at all. And I also haven't read the books, so I can't say he's definitely important in the future, but I really feel like the last couple of episodes of this season have brought them in as a major house. I guess. Okay, so maybe it'll be worth it later. Yeah. But I just, in terms of the narrative of the show, I just feel like I spent a lot of minutes of time in each episode watching Rob Stark ride a horse, 
But you just saw him ride a horse. You didn't care about him, like, as a character at all, really. Right, so then why did I have to watch him ride a horse? Because Game of Thrones teaches you. The first, the lesson that you have to learn with Ned Stark, the Al Gore of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Whoa! Um, <laughs> We're going to deconstruct that, but continue. So he he's as close to a protagonist as that series has ever had. And they just, like, cut his head right off in the second to last episode of the first season. And he is super dead. And he's not coming back. And you just got a deal. Because the story at large is not about Ned Stark. It's not about Rob Stark. It's about the fate of an entire continent. And that's why I think with that argument too, Rebecca, you could say Kid Stark, whose name I've actually forgotten because he's so worthless to me. Which Kid Stark? Rob. Rob Stark is a huge part of the bloodshed that's taking place, right? And you think about all these different warring areas. And of course you would want an older Stark who's going to take place in that fight, but who you don't actually want to have win. I kind of think he's the perfect little tool in this scenario. If we're talking about story v. character, if the story is pick your favorite and hope for them to get the Iron Throne, if that's the world that's created and that I'm supposed to be invested in, the fact that there's something supernatural coming in the winter over the wall is confusing to me because it makes the stakes of all this human squabbling seem completely unimportant. Right. Are we a season or two or a book or two from now going to find that oh, all of this stuff you thought mattered because the stakes were humans fighting humans is completely irrelevant because now there's this other force that then the humans have to join forces to survive against. Then what was the point of all this? Like, I would be totally fine with a Game of Thrones with no winter is coming over the wall creatures. But I think that every time they mention them, I care less and less about the stakes for all the characters involved in this fight for the Iron Throne. Well, I don't know. I don't care so much about the impending Zompocalypse. I went into this expecting it to have a terrible ending that made me angry and doesn't really make sense. That's still what I think the series finale of Game of Thrones, I think, is going to be bad and not really make sense. But I'm in it for the ride. I'm in it for the characters. The arc of the series might actually be that having fought zombies in the north makes Jon Snow the most qualified person. Yeah, that's also a very fair point. But so you care about these characters? Because I don't give a rip about these characters. And so that means that when the story starts to bore me, I have nothing. I, I don't care about Rob or Catelyn. I'm super glad they're dead. I may have in some way cheered when Catelyn got her throat slit, actually. She drove me out of my mind. <laughs> yes. See, this was I was exuberant during this scene. I was like, finally, it's happening. Really, why is Joffrey still alive? I think that I've thought Joffrey was going to be dead in the season finale of, like, every season. Well, and I'm pretty sure he should have died by now. So I don't really, I, I don't know. I can't explain Joffrey. <laughs> because we've established everything that's going to happen with Joffrey. As soon as Tywin got to King's Landing, Joffrey was over. That story was over. Because we were like, oh, Grandpa's actually in charge. And this is very interesting. Small council meetings with Cersei and Tyrion and Tywin is fascinating. Joffrey doesn't need to be there. No, Joffrey is also so shallowly bad that there's nothing compelling about him either. Yeah, he's just a sociopath. Right. He's a spoiled brat, and I think the series actually asks us to blame a little bit of his villainy on his being the product of incest. Totally, yeah. 
It's that Augustinian thing of the sins of the parents manifest in the child, and so it's Cersei's punishment. Right, so Greta, how are you feeling about shows like Walking Dead and Breaking Bad when it comes to this story versus character question? You know, Walking Dead is an interesting one because we definitely have lost characters in it since the pilot. But in general, none of the character deaths that have taken place have blown my mind. And in fact, especially with Lori, I definitely thought, okay, this is going to help move the story forward. Yeah, Walking Dead almost makes you beg for its character deaths. So I kind of feel like in terms of character deaths, Breaking Bad, more people should have died by now. Yes. And I think that what that means is is that now that we know that we have an end date, there's going to be a whole lot of death in this season. I didn't even think of it in that sense, but now I'm extra excited. Yeah, I think the lack of death, I think, actually had to happen, even if it was unrealistic, because we had to get Walt to this place of feeling truly invincible. Right. And that's the thing. It's still played into story. I don't think the story suffered because any of the characters were still around, except yeah. maybe Skylar. Skylar should be dead. Yeah, I have a really hard time with Skylar. You know, a lot of people who work in the industry like the show because Brian Cranston worked so hard to get this thing that's so awesome. He's a second generation, like, working man actor. There's a difference between the kind of evil Walter White is and the kind of evil Joffrey Baratheon is. No, there used to Definitely. be. There isn't anymore. The character has devolved. In the same way that Dexter has always been completely uninteresting to me because we're told from the beginning that he's just crazy. That he's just broken. Yeah, yeah. he's just broken. So guess what? Right. He's never going to be different because he's just broken. He might get caught. He might die. He might hurt someone who you've grown to care about who's a supporting character. But he's just crazy. And now that Walter White is just crazy, I don't care anymore. Right. That's why I think that going back is more interesting than going forward for that character. Quick fire list. One other character you want to die. Ready? Greta, go. One other character in any show any that, show I want, to that die? you want to oh die. Oh my gosh. This is exciting. Hold on. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I need to think about this for a moment. Uh, Rebecca, do you know automatically? I don't know. I kind of just want to put Mackenzie McHale down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want beautiful. her to die violently, but maybe her misery should end. From avian bone syndrome? <laughs> I'm Phoebe. We've met before. Jack proposed to me outside your office. I have hollow bones, like a bird. Yes, no, I, I remember you. Hi. Hi. Yes, of avian bone syndrome. Oh, Actually, no. no, I just want that character to contract avian bone syndrome because it would be much more interesting if there were a physical reason that she could not stand her ground on any issue. <laughs> if I could kill any character, I think I would say Deb from Dexter. And that is largely because their relationship is weird and has been for some time and she isn't helping the story along. And so really... I, in a perfect world, she would have already died. Frank from Shameless. You know, William H. Muffman is my favorite celebrity couple. William H. Macy and, and Felicity Huffman, I think, are both brilliant. But that character has run its course on that show, and those child actors are strong enough that I think they could carry a show boxcar children style with actually no parents, and I would be interested to see that. Thanks to Rebecca for talking me down. Now it's time to nerd out about Superman with author Julia Keller. Julia is great. She's written some really neat books. One was a biography of the man who invented the machine gun, and the other is a recently published mystery novel called A Killing in the Hills, which also just came out in paperback. 
Hint, hint. I can't describe to you how much I adored comic books. We lived in a neighborhood where there was a drugstore, so I could actually ride my bike, too. I literally knew down to the minute when the new ones would come in. I had the best comic book collection in the neighborhood. In fact, I was the envy of a lot of girls who were, at that point, sort of developing crushes on the boys in the neighborhood, because the boys in the neighborhood were my friends and my real friends. You know, we'd spend all these hours together with the comic books. And so the girls were like, what's, uh, what's Greg really like? I said, what are you talking about? I don't know. What do you, what do you mean? Because we read comic books. I don't know. He's a, he's a Batman guy. I'm Superman. I don't know. So I would talk comic bookies, and they would be talking about something else, something more fit for a Judy Bloom novel. I was strictly in, in the adventures. And Julia, who spent most of her career working in newspapers, says a connection to the mild-mannered Clark Kent stayed with her long after she outgrew her comic book collection. There, there was just a great resonance about the Superman myth for me. I loved it past all measure. The secret identity thing I was always, I was always, always um, quite in love with because I think we all sort of half think that there is another side to us that others don't know and that maybe a secret backstory that we're unaware of. I always wanted to be heir to a great liquor fortune. Really? I always assumed that somewhere back there there was like a Gilby's Gin or the Johnny Walker Red family or something. When I read about the tennis player Carling Bass, who was heir to the Bass Ale right. fortune, I thought, ah, should be me. Since she's writing crime novels and teaching instead of working at the Chicago Tribune as a critic, Julia says the best part about watching Man of Steel is that for the first time in her adult life, she gets to be a Superman fan again. I'm really excited about it. The trailer looks wonderful. Everything I read looks wonderful. And there is always a tragedy of high expectation. However, I would rather have the pleasure of the high expectation now and then suffer the crash later. It looks really good. Now it's time for homework. Trisha, what do you have on the syllabus? Two things this week. One is an Atlantic article that's all about the Dalai Lama mentioning that it might be time for the world to have a female Dalai Lama because females are more compassionate leaders. The other is Hillary Clinton's Twitter bio, which I would like to ask Greta to do a dramatic reading of. Wife, mom, lawyer, women and kids advocate, floar, floatus, U.S. senator, sec state author, dog owner, hair icon, pantsuit aficionado, glass ceiling cracker, TBD, ellipsis, and scene. I mean, honestly. You really could write like a master's thesis on this Twitter bio. It starts with the word wife, which if you had told me in 1999 that Hillary Clinton's Twitter bio would start with the word wife when my grandmother was very upset that she had stayed by her man... I would not have believed you. Well, you would also have been a little confused by there being a Twitter for her to have a bio on in 1999. Fair enough. But let's just break this down a little more. Hair icon and pantsuit fashionista. This woman's ability to be strong and self-deprecating is just an amazing Cirque du Soleil act of American politics. Yeah, you got to respect those scrunchies. You do, because she has things to get done. Ain't nobody got time for fancy hair all the time. It's true. So the conversations this week about... Hillary Clinton's Twitter bio and her TBD dot 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 and this idea that a a female Dalai Lama might be in our future got me thinking. Which do you think will happen first and in what order? Female, U.S. President, Dalai Lama, Doctor Who. So head over to nerdatpodcast.com and tell us whether you think we will have a female U.S. President, female Dalai Lama, or female Doctor Who first. Greta, what do you think? You know, I think a female doctor could be a really great way to get society used to the idea of a female president or a Dalai Lama. And what's your homework for us? Well, my homework is for all you nerds out there to watch this show called Jericho, 
which originally aired on CBS from 2006 to 2008, which I totally missed. I was late to that party. But it's on Netflix now, and it's really good. It's a nice, mysterious, action-y drama about nuclear bombs hitting the U.S. and how we rebuild after disaster. There's a really good line from one of the first episodes. This isn't just a fight for our survival. It's a fight for our humanity. So if you like post-apocalyptic shows where the stakes are high, you'll love Jericho. And that's it for today. Of course, many thanks again to Julia Keller for talking with us. And to Rebecca Polson. And our intern, Claire, who we need to congratulate on her promotion to assistant to the regional manager. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme. But what if he did, right? I mean... This is Pottington Bear. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.